Welcome to the I'm Spiritual <laughs> Podcast. My name is Matt Stewart. I'm a transformational coach, and it is my mission to bring purpose to the purposeless. This podcast is for gaining insights into the deeper layers of our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies to unlock our inner potential and allow for healing. Let's deep dive down the rabbit hole of self-development and spirituality to get a no-bullshit look at what works and what doesn't work. All right, with me again is my soul sister from the other side of the world who I can't wait to meet one day. Visit her in Goa, the lovely Goa where she is. It is Ruchika Biaz. Fuck, terrible with names. Leave yeah, in. almost there, almost there. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I am very well. How are you? Great. Great. It's awesome to see you again. You are my first repeat guest. So let's give yourself Yay! a round of applause. Yes. I'm honored. I'm really honored. And, and I'm glad that this kind of worked out because um, I think the last time that I was on here, we had such a great conversation. And, and yeah, I think we really like there was great synergy between us. So I'm just happy to see what happens, what unfolds today. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, after we stopped recording you on the last one, we talked for about another 30, 40 minutes. So yeah, yeah. it was just very effortless with you. For sure. Awesome. So today we have the fun. <laughs> I say fun. <laughs> today we're going to dive into some fun stuff. There's going to be a trigger warning at the beginning, and that's all we're going to say. We're going to talk about, you know, some things that might upset some people, but it's all in the guise of healing because we have both, Ruchika and I have been down, much like every human being out there. We've been yeah. through traumas, we've been through some darkness, but we're going to use that to shed some light on the resiliency of the human being, the human experience and how you can transmute that pain into greatness by using yeah, and, your pain. Oh, go ahead. No, and, and hopefully maybe just um, also just kind of tell people, I remind people if there are, if there's anybody who's going through anything at this point in time, um, and if any of this resonates with you, just hang in there and, you know, just know that you're not alone because everybody has something or the other going on. And yeah, and just hang in there. Everything will get better at some point. But yeah. It's... Thank you for saying that. And it sounds so contrived because I remember when I was in the throes of this to hear somebody go like, just hang in there. It's going to be all right. Or it's when you're in that, it sounds like such a silly thing to say, but it's true because yeah. everything does get better with time. And sometimes when you're on a healing path and a healing journey, things get darkest before they seem brighter. But when yeah. you really start to prioritize yourself and give yourself some of that love that you're you're really seeking. Because you're not going to get that love from anyone else. It comes from you. That's what we're all looking for is the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of ourselves for things that have gone not in our favor. Yeah. So just hang in there, my friend. Because there's people yeah. out there who have been there, and then you can always reach out for help. Yeah, and, and, and they've made it to the other side. I mean... Not to sound, not to sound pompous, but like yeah, we've we've all been through things, and like look at us now, like we're still living, we're still breathing, we're still we're thriving. We're not just surviving; we're also thriving. We're figuring our life out. Life out. Things can get difficult sometimes, and things can look a little murky sometimes. And it's not like the ghosts of your past don't come and like haunt you; they still do. But I feel like with all the healing work you do, you just get better with slaying your demons. Yes, that's what I love, that slaying your demons. <laughs> it's literally you that. It's true. You become a demon slayer. The demons mm -hmm. are really these these concepts, these constructs, these things that we, that we use to torture ourselves. And it's only when we really stand fast and look them in the eye do we take away their power. Yep. I mean, 
to share a little about my story, I mean, what I've gone through, it's, you know, I've had most of my life I've been overweight. You know, I lost 60 pounds about 10 years ago. I've had struggles with food, drugs, alcohol. I overdosed at 17, ended up in a mental hospital for a week. I've driven a car into a tree at 70 miles an hour when I was drunk, shattered my chin, broke my jaw. I've, you know, I've self-harmed. I've beat myself up mentally and physically because when I was a kid, I was sexually abused by my uncle. And it really fucks me up for a long, long time. And I really don't talk about it that much, but I feel like now this, what, you know, Ruchika and I are really talking about is how you live with that toxic shame. Because these things have been done to us. We've experienced a lot of these things. And you survive, and that's one of the most important things. But then what happens is we tend to internalize a lot of that. And we make it seem like it's our fault. And we live with that where we can't tell anyone about it. We won't tell anyone about it because we have to keep our mouth shut to keep the family dynamic. Or we just were not ready to face those demons. And going through everything I have, the, the goodness that I'm bringing out of that is I've, I've experienced a depth of the human suffering that I think few people have. And from that, I'm now better equipped to help and to be there and to show up for myself, but to show up for other people and to hold that space and to tell them that it's okay to feel. It's okay to love yourself because that was the biggest discovery I had was that disconnection of self. I mean, we can go into the, the physiological trauma response where when you go through a trauma event, you shut down and a part of you disassociates with your body. And until you really do the work to get that part of yourself to come back and to accept yourself, it's floating away from you. And once you numb one part of yourself, you numb the whole. It's like any emotion. It's and doing that work is the only way through. And that can look like going to a psychologist, psychiatrist. For me, that didn't work, but that's my story. You know, psychology, uh, psychiatry, medications, none of that stuff helped. It was when I started going down the alternate healing path with body work, with somatics, with breath work, with diet and exercise, with coaching, with, you know, NLP, all these fun things, you know, shamanism. That's when I really started to heal. And that was my journey. But everybody's journey looks different. And again, this journey took me 20 years to get from point A to point B of really healing. And I'm still every day working on it, like Ruchiga so eloquently said, slay my demons whenever they pop up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing, right? Like, there's no escaping from this darkness. Like, it's not like, okay, one fine day you're fully healed and everything's out of your system. I feel like um, things get better with time. Um, of course, the intensity reduces, but you will still have your dark moments. But the good thing is when you go down this healing path, you kind of have these tools and these modalities that can help bring you back. So, I mean, I think that's that's the beauty of healing. When you go down this path, you realize your resilience and the strength, the inner, the inner strength that you have, that you don't even realize that you actually were holding on to so much strength to be able to bounce back from anything. And, and like, like you rightly said, that um, sometimes it takes stuff to get really, really messed up, to get really fucked up for you to really rise from the ashes like the phoenix. So yeah, and I mean, and again, like very brave of you to share this on this platform. And and yeah, my heart goes out to little Matt who had to go through that. But 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 look at you here now. I mean, yeah. So I think whatever happened happened. But uh, yeah, look at you now, like killing it in life and having it all well almost figured out if not all so. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah good good catch i don't think any of us even if you've had nothing go wrong with you uh 
or write with you have have figured it out because it's just ever evolving and it's a this ever changing shitstorm oh, yeah. <laughs> of life sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but thank you for that. I I really appreciate that, and I think yeah, I think going forward, this is really why we're having this discussion to humanize it because even now it's yeah. it's better than it was when I was a kid. I mean, resiliency. I love that word because oftentimes trauma survivors are people who have been through things. They feel like they're weak. But those are some of the strongest motherfuckers you will ever meet in your life. Somebody who's gone through that darkness and come out the other side. It might feel like you're weak because you're struggling. But remember, every day that you're here and you're showing up for yourself and you're doing the best you can. And someday the best you can might be just staying in bed and crying. And that's okay. And that's coming from a man. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, and, and that's, what I'm, that's what I mean. Like... It, Sometimes the bravest thing you can do is actually not doing anything. Like the fact that you can have that awareness and, you know, understand that, hey, I don't have the, you know, I don't have the strength to show up for anything at this point in time. And maybe all I can do is, is curl up in this curl up into a ball and cry. And that's okay too, because that's you taking care of yourself. That's you showing yourself that compassion to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. Because I mean, the other way out of this is to, is to numb, is to, um, you know, spiritually bypass these these feelings and emotions by just trying to go on a bender, drinking yourself um, to death or like going in, like going on this rampage of going out and, or having too much sex or having um, food addictions or whatever it may be. Any, anything that could be a coping mechanism for you. Um, but I think the brave thing to do is to actually face these demons, is to face these emotions because that's where your grit, your determination, your resiliency is actually tested it is and sometimes you have to find your rock bottom <laughs> oh yeah and sometimes there are going to be multiple rock bottoms like I'm, oh yeah and i think that that's the journey of life right like you know the way you were sharing um i think for me um i think my earliest phase of like a rock bottom was when i was in in high school i always thought i was slightly different and i could never really put a pulse on what it what was wrong with me um, even though technically there was nothing really wrong with me, but I just feel like maybe in, um, you know, in the, in a cultural context, in a Southeast Asian cultural context, from coming from a brown girl's perspective, um, everybody thought I was maybe a little, like, I didn't really fit in because I was not really the quintessential uh, Bombay girl growing up. I came from the same strata of society as, you know, everybody in my school, but I was just, different like I liked um, you know everybody else like pop music I was the kind of girl who would listen to metal and you know all of that and people were just like mm. she was the weird crazy girl with like blue hair pink hair purple hair and always getting into trouble in school um, and I think just sitting with that with that you know when you're really young and you don't really know how to navigate these situations you don't really know how to own your authenticity you just don't know what to do with yourself so I think for me I should just feel so frustrated with myself because I was just like why am I different like I don't want to be different why am I not accepted um, and that kind of spiraled into me um, going through this phase of self-harm. Like I would just mm -hmm. end up like slashing my wrists like day in and day out. And then for me, it was at that point in time, there was, it felt like a release. Like it felt like, cause I couldn't talk to anybody about these things. And I felt like I didn't fit in. I didn't fit in with my family. I didn't fit in with my friends. And I tried very hard to fit in. And, you know, having that constant battle because I was trying so hard to fit in, but at the same time, I was not happy with myself. Like I was just constantly abandoning myself. And that in between tension was just like, 
I didn't know what to do with it. So all I could do is, okay, I, I can harm myself. This is the only thing that's in my control right now. So I would, yeah, I remember come back home from school and just like slash up my wrist. And, and yeah, and while like, I'm not proud of it, it's just, you know, these, these scars that after a while, I think when I kind of realized when I eventually did go down the route of therapy, and this is much later when I, as an adult, um, when I was talking to my therapist about it, and she actually told me, she's like, this comes from a place of intense self-loathing. And the minute she said that, that really struck a chord. I was like, what, one minute, wait, did you just say like self-loathing? Like, you, like it's not even self-hate, but it's self-loathing. Like, mm. do I really hate myself that much? Um, but it really struck a chord. And then, and then as we kind of piece things together, like different junctions of my life, different timelines of my life, I kind of realized what she meant because I have this this habit of like running into these really like toxic situations and then spiraling out of control. Um, so yeah, so I mean, it started off with that, and then when I was in college, I was in this um, in this abusive relationship. Um, it was kind of emotionally and mentally very abusive, and at some point, um, I ended up getting pregnant, um, and this was also me not living in India, but I was actually studying somewhere else or studying abroad. And me having to go through that abortion alone. And of course, the icing on the cake at that point in time was my ex-boyfriend then broke up with me just when this happened. So um, so, so I had to like go through everything on my own. And that kind of really just took a toll on my mental health. Um, and then just after going through the process, um, I kind of realized that uh, you know, I mean, every day I was waking up and I was just like in such a bad place mentally. I couldn't, I was not being able to attend my classes. I was not being able to, like, I was not functional as a person. And unfortunately, again, like maybe because I was so young and there was just not enough information out there about what depression and anxiety and mental health in general is. I didn't have the adequate resources. I didn't go to a therapist then. So I was just trying to like figure things out. I was trying to like get myself to be functional, whereas I couldn't even like get myself out of bed and it was just a struggle every day which I remember myself um, my uh, self-destructive patterns of harming myself popped up again then because again that was the only thing that was in my control so yeah so like one thing led to another and I think that whole year I was just so emotionally unstable um, that I couldn't I couldn't really show up for work I couldn't show up for college I couldn't show up to like meet friends, family, anything. But at the same time, I had to put on this facade like everything was fine because there was so much toxic shame. So I think the toxic mm -hmm. shame that started off from like high school, from the self-harming phase to like going into this abortion, which then kind of led me to um, just, I couldn't even get myself to go to school, right? So I dropped out of college. And again, so it's like one thing led to another and the toxic shame just kept spiraling into this big um, avalanche of like shame which just kind of progressed and progressed further and further into my life. And I think for years and years, I've just been carrying that burden. And I think maybe this is also the first time I'm actually talking about this so openly and on such a public platform. Um, the, only, the only reason why we're also having this conversation is to shed light on some of these topics and, you know, make people understand that things happen sometimes, things that are out of your control, out of your situation. And, you know, you will go through traumas, you will pick up on pain, shame throughout your life. But um, this pain and shame is not yours to carry. And I feel like if there's anything we can do to bridge the gap is to maybe have more of these conversations to be more open about these things so that people don't feel alone when they're going through these situations. And people have some sort of outlet and they kind of realize that you don't have to carry these burdens because the more you carry them around, the more they will 
keep getting heavier with each passing year. First of all, thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Especially if this is the, the first time you're talking about it. So that's yeah. that's amazing. The the resiliency that's what's really running out or ringing out for me as you're telling yeah. me this. I mean, it's first of all like younger Ruchika sounds awesome with the purple hair, the blue <laughs> hair, figuring out listening to metal while everybody's going the other way. That's it's wonderful because it's a person who's trying to find her own way. Yeah, and it's a person who's really embracing herself but then you know society the constructs uh, you know judgments get in the way from our classmates and they're like oh she's the weird one and then you start to yeah. believe that meanwhile yeah. you're just this unique being it's like when we're younger when we're kids we start off as our authentic self and then society gets in the way and then we spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out who we are because of that disconnect yeah one time around we go into school and then when we get out in the real world, it's like, you can't be yourself. You have to be this watered down version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about releasing the toxic shame because it just, it weighs, it starts to weigh down on you. And you're absolutely right because it's like this energy that's getting caught up in the net. If you have this, if you have all this, this toxicity, you have all the shame in here. Anytime you get the littlest bit of shame or judgment in your life. It's just going to add and compound to that, which you already have in there because it's yeah. not able to pass through you. It's going to find that energetic hold in your body and it's just going to add to that, add to that. And it's going to get harder and harder because it's layer after layer that you have to peel back to get to the core wound. And that's the oh, thing yeah. that I think a lot of people don't really understand is it's, you don't necessarily have to go back and find that core wound and, logically process it. I think that's one of the things to the, the clarification and distinction I want to make is when we're talking about doing this work, you don't need to go back and logically figure out what happened to you. There's an energetic component to all traumas that needs to be released, but that energetic component has nothing to do with the logical mind. Because when I started healing myself, I tried to logically go back and I go through these somatic experiences where the, the energy that gets stuck from the traumas uh, can be released. But if you go into those settings, trying to figure out what happened, try to logically piece it together, you actually, what I happened is I re-traumatized myself every yeah. time I would do this. And it kept getting worse and worse. And because of that, I took this huge, I took like a five-year break on my healing journey because I just, I couldn't do it anymore because I thought that every sort of healing modality was going to lead me to this dark place of where I was literally going to have these intense physiological reactions where I'd be vomiting or where I'd be yeah. trembling or like one time, like I had no feeling in the entire left side of my body for like five minutes going through some of this, like just intense things. And that was because I was logically trying to understand what happened. Yeah. The energetic side is basically like the fight or flight response in mm -hmm. each and every one of us. And when we get, traumatized or when there's an event that triggers that there's an energetic release and it either triggers the fight you either fight whatever's happening the flight you run away or you freeze and when you go into a freeze response which is something that a lot of people go into especially when you're younger if something happens you just lock up yeah. you, you think about like a uh, cat and mouse mm -hmm. if a cat goes after a mouse the mouse can either run away in which case it expends energy to get away or the mouse is either killed in which case it doesn't matter or the mouse pretends like it's frozen and it's dead. But to do that, it takes a lot of energy to pretend to be dead. It's not simply just laying limply on the floor. Right. 
And if the cat leaves the mouse there, what actually happens, and there's tons of videos about this with polar bears, mice, coming out of this thaw response. Mm -hmm. And all it is is just trembling, your, your body temperature raises, you start sweating, and there's an energetic release that happens. A lot of times just with shaking. And it takes about five minutes at most with a lot of this. And that's the energetic release that I'm talking about. And when that happens, there's no labels assigned to it. There's none of that. It's just this pure expression of energy that comes up physiologically. And that's when you can move past it. Because once that energy is released, you can now regulate your nervous system. And you can now let that energy go. And then you can move freely. But if you try to go back and assign meanings to it, you try to relive it, it's only going to harm you more. Oh, yeah. I mean, your brain just tries to make sense of things. But what we don't realize is that trauma stored in your body, right? Like, so even if your brain is trying to give it meaning or is trying to make sense of it, sure, you will give yourself stories, but those stories don't really, will not really process the emotions. Because when we go through trauma, there are, you know, there's literally like a bunch of emotions that you feel, like whether it's your anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's frustration, whether whatever it may be, um, you have such a vast um, you have so many varied emotions that you go through. How do you process them? How do you release them? The only way to process them is through your body. Because, I mean, you notice even like something as simple as like animals, right? Like when something happens, they shake it off. Like that's the instant reaction. Like dogs, like just after they come out of, of the water, they, they shake it off because for them, um, anything that could be slightly traumatic or any kind of animal for that matter, they shake it off because that's how you release things. Otherwise, they just stay stuck in your body. And I think even talking about that, one of the reasons why um, a lot of people, like when you see like addiction, especially when it comes to like food or drugs or whatever, is is a way to like numb those. Like I know, like even for me, mm -hmm. I have been overweight for most of my life. And, you know, when I was going through these, especially during my teenage years up to my college years, when I was going through the, this, this dark phase, um, I was at my worst physically because I was just eating to like make myself feel better and trying to like, numb myself but it was actually making things worse because you know I mean then I had more toxic shame compounded on top of my original shame you know because it's like it's like a cat and mouse chase right like you're trying to make yourself feel better but you're actually just making yourself worse because you don't realize that what you're doing is not really helping you it's just adding more like problems to your already full plate um, and with that like because of that because you know if you're not physically or mentally feeling well you're going to be feeling even more depressed and you're going to feel even more anxious like I remember I used to look at myself in the mirror and I was just like this is why my life is you know hitting rock bottom or this is why um this is why my ex-boyfriend left me because uh, oh my god I'm just eating my way through this pain and you know I looked horrible and this is why I'm not getting the right opportunities and this is why I dropped out of college because uh, I'm so fat or I'm so ugly I can't even like um, I can't even like make it to school. I can't even make it to like hang out with friends. This is why I'm losing friends is because I look this way. And there was just, again, it went back to that point of intense self-loathing. And, and I think because of that, from there, just it takes such a toll on your self-worth and your self-esteem. I'm not even going to say self-worth. I'm going to say self-esteem as a person because your self-esteem is your sense of self. It's the most basic component that all of us have. Um, we're all innately worthy. Uh, we're worthy not because of, the um, cars we drive or the clothes we wear or the money we make or whatever or our social status it's because we're human it's literally that it's you know you're innately worthy because 
you are human and you you deserve to live a life of like love and respect it's literally that simple but it takes such a toll on those things that then you you settle for like shitty relationships you settle for like shitty job opportunities because you think you don't deserve any better and it's this it's cycles and spirals is what it sounds like it's really because I've been there, just like what you're saying. I got chills when you were talking about your struggles with weight, because I've been there. I mean, I was overweight. I think I only have, I have about 10 years of being sort of in shape, average body, and then 28 years of being overweight. I was always chubby as a kid. And then I think at my heaviest, I was 270 pounds. I never stepped on a scale with that. But I mean, I was a big guy. Uh, people always would say that I carried it well. It's like, I don't know what that means. Thank you, I yeah. guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, I hate it when people say that because that's, again, compounding a toxic shame. Oh, you carry it well. Oh, you look good for somebody your size. I'm like, no, you can just tell me I look good. Doesn't yeah. have to be for my size or doesn't yeah. have to be for my <laughs> shape. But yeah. Exactly. I love that. Thank you for saying that because I used to get that too. It's like, you don't need to qualify. I think the compliment, yeah. you know, I said, for somebody like you, you look pretty good. What does that yeah. mean? I either look good or I don't. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you're never going to tell, um, you know, a skinny person, you you carry that well for somebody your shape or size. I mean, so especially when it comes to like fat shaming, I feel like people think they're really doing you a favor, but it's they're not because it's such a backhanded compliment. Uh, so mm -hmm. technically, even though you're saying something nice to me, I'm still taking it with a pinch of salt because I'm just like, Oh, okay. They're like, I remember I used to get this all the time that, oh, you dress well for somebody your size. And I was like, what do you mean by my size? Like, you're again alienating me, isolating me, you're making me feel different again. I don't want to feel different. You can just tell me I dress well. It's that simple. Uh, people are, I mean, it's getting better. It's getting better. That's the one thing. I think now there's a lot more awareness around that because I think back in the day or i don't know why i'm saying back in the day but you know <laughs> five ten years ago 20 years ago even before that it was like that thought that tough love is what's going to get people there yeah and, and there's a distinction between tough love which is holding somebody accountable to the actions they want to take versus just being slightly rude enough to make them want to change yeah right like tough love is you set out to do something and somebody holds you accountable when you don't want to do that. Like a coach mm -hmm. does that or a trainer or somebody like that. Tough love is not you going up and giving backhanded compliments to them. Yeah. And like, oh, if you had lost the weight, this wouldn't have happened. It's like, you don't think psychologically, because when you're in that mindset, like I've always thought, because I've been a health coach for about 10 years working with people. And I realized it's like, if you have 10 to 20 pounds of weight to lose, typically that's just, you know, you need to get back to exercising habits. Yeah. But once you get above that 20 pounds, and I've been there myself, that's where there's a deeper issue in there. And it's not yeah. just about the habits. It's not just about eating food. It's there is something that you're avoiding and there's something that you're numbing. And like you said, it's this shows up in all areas of your of your life. Because when you have that self-loathing, it's going to show up in how you treat yourself first and foremost, like physically. That's the first physical marker that you know something is off. Yeah. And then you go to even further, like the relationships you're in. I was in so many toxic relationships. And it would just keep repeating the cycle because if you don't love yourself, how can you expect another person to love you? You might get lucky every now and then where you meet a quote unquote angel. People always talk about that where they meet a partner who just sees them for who they are and uplifts them. But a lot of times, most of us don't get that lucky. You just yeah. repeat that cycle of, of having these really toxic negative relationships where they're you know, either physically abusive, mentally abusive, spiritually abusive, somehow abusive because 
you think that's what you're worth. And even saying that, that could be a tough thing to hear. That the cause of the problem isn't the other person. It's actually yeah. within us. And I've been there and you've been there. And that truthfully is what it is. And to hear that, it can also be the most triggering thing in the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, also to just get there, right? To to get mm-hmm. there, to take that accountability, you need to have some deep introspection. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like we were talking about this and, um, you know, we're talking about toxic relationships and like, I think for me, it's been like a lifelong process of, you know, because of that unhealed wound, that unhealed shame that you've been carrying around, you kind of think that all you deserve in life is, is you know, someone who will maybe see parts of you, but will not accept all of you. So if there are some, you know, there's some things about the other person that you have to turn a blind eye towards, whether it's a toxic relationship where the person is mentally, physically, verbally abusive, you're like, yeah, that's fine. But I deserve that because look at me, like, I don't deserve anything good. I have so much, Mm. there's just so much toxic shame in me. I'm carrying all this weight and carrying all this baggage. And maybe I deserve someone who is abusive towards me. Like, I think for me, a decade after, um, you know, what happened with my ex in college, I was in another toxic relationship with this really highly narcissistic man where things were just so, um, things were just so, toxic like it literally like everybody and I actually don't even like using the word toxic because I think it's such a it's such an abused word but but this was literally a toxic situation I remember like my friends and people around us would see through this and like this 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 feels crazy don't like why are you even in this but my sense of self my self-worth was so low and I was just like oh no but like like abuse feels like it's like having something is better than having nothing so even abuse feels like a form of love in a way so um, I remember I was with this man who was just so mentally and emotionally abusive, so manipulative. Um, and then there came a point where it got also physically uh, abusive. I remember during one of our fights, he kind of broke two of my fingers and I think you can see them there still, yeah. And the funny thing is like, despite, even after all of that, I was just like, oh no, like the fact that this person still wants to be with me means like, I need to like make this work. I need to make this happen and it's okay. It's okay. It was just like, you know, you kind of start making excuses for the other person that, oh, this was just um, in a fit of rage and he's actually not that bad or he's mm. this and he's that. But it then you kind of realize that's like, it's not about the other person. It's because I still don't love myself enough to walk away from the situation. Like, even though this is so taxing, it's so draining, this is literally depleting all my reserves, whether it is you know, my mental, spiritual, emotional, and at some point, even my safety, my physical safety, I'm just like, it just depleted me completely as a a person. And instead of taking that, whatever energy I had towards repairing and restoring my sense of self and my self-worth, I was still pouring into this person and making excuses for that person thinking, okay, no, this is what I need to do. Because again, it's that toxic shame, toxic guilt, and just also the idea, right, that's sold to you, um, and this is especially coming from a woman's perspective, is that um, the more you can try to, like, be someone who is nurturing and caring, the more you want to be chosen by someone, um, chances are the better your uh, life will pan out because people will think, what a good girl, and look at what she's putting up with, and, you know, she's being this martyr, but you don't really need to be a martyr. I mean, I think the only saving you need to do is saving yourself. You don't really need to save anyone else. You need don't need to make excuses for anyone else. And, and we all have our own shit to deal with. But in situations like this, I feel like the only thing you can do is, even though it's hard, is is walk away. Because if you don't at that point in time, um, I, I can't even begin to think about what's 
what else could happen because I feel like things could get from bad to worse like either your abuser could get like more vindictive or you know you could reach a reach a point of saturation where you don't want to put up with it and you could do something that's more um you know that's that could be threatening could be just harmful so so yeah I didn't know any of that that's I mean the word that keeps coming up and you said it is resilience and it's like you yeah. you you just being yourself and showing up and sharing this shows such a resiliency to take all that and to bounce back and to not only do that not let it break you but now want to be here as a champion for people who have been there for sharing your story to really leading by example of how you you had to go through all that to have these realizations to be able to speak with such purpose and focus and clarity on these issues because you're right it's you know, we chase these highs and lows and it manifests in our relationships because that's literally what it is. I mean, I remember being in, I was never in a physically abusive relationship with a woman, but it would be, you know, screaming matches and just, yeah. you know, and like at its worst, it was always this, this such like, this, it was like fire. It felt like fire inside of us both. Yeah. Um, and you chase that because you, it's like this all consuming anger and this passion and you think that's what passion and love is. And then, then you make up. And it feels amazing because you go from this extreme low to this extreme high and you just keep chasing those. And then once you start to, to heal yourself and you realize it's no, you don't want these extreme highs and lows. You want that neutral. That's when everything really starts to change. But for a lot of us, when you first go down that path, that seems like the worst thing. It seems like you want me to just be in this neutral position where everything's just okay. It's not these erratic highs and lows. Like that doesn't feel right. It doesn't yeah. feel safe because there's safety in knowing you're on this repeat pattern of highs and lows of anger and joy, anger and joy. And it depletes the serotonin levels in the body and it depletes everything and it starts to wear out on you. And it just, it's, it's amazing that we all do this to ourselves and that so many people are in there. So many people are in these relationships and they don't even see that. They don't even yeah. see that trend. Just like your friends, you saying with your friends, like they knew that you shouldn't be in this. But when you're in those, you start to make excuses for it. So Absolutely. I say, no, this this person means well, or I'm doing this to them. Yeah. And it's it's amazing because as a man, I would do sort of similar things. I would always want to find this, I don't want to call her broken, but like this really <laughs> you know, dysfunctional or hurting woman. And yeah. I try to like heal her, right? And I tried to help her. The only thing I was doing was taking all the focus off my wounds and putting it on them because the second they would, I would heal them or I would get them to a position where they felt better than themselves, they would leave me. And I would have these huge abandonment wounds that would always come up. And it wasn't until I stopped all that and I took some time to really reflect. And you said it with that introspection, because if you're not willing, man or woman, if you're not willing to look inside yourself and go, how am I contributing to my circumstances or the world that I've created? you're never going to be able to change it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not about the other person, right? Like you can, yeah, sure, you can blame the other person. And, you know, sometimes in situations, some situations are out of your control and the other person is the villain in your story. But I think that takes some amount of like accountability on your part to be like, okay, what was my role to play? Because you can, like you said, we we all have these recurring patterns because also this becomes your comfort zone. So you kind of choose the same pattern it'll be with a different person different devil but literally the same pattern like I think for me it was 
narcissistic men where initially it used to be uh, relationships that were mentally and emotionally abusive and then i think because the last one was physically abusive and i think that was my reaction where i was just like okay the buck stops here because if mm. it it's it's literally stopped with me having broken fingers for me to realize like okay this is now taking a to- like taking a toll on my physical safety um up until a few years ago it was only about my mental and emotional safety and i would keep bouncing back but when it's taking a toll on my physical safety today it's like broken fingers tomorrow it could be i don't know something else and and where do where does where do i put an end to this and that's when my realization happened that i was just like okay this is clearly it's not about the other person it's about me what am i doing to attract these situations how am i showing up in these scenarios what what can i do to protect myself i think that's the other key right like for most of us healthy relationships aren't really modeled and a lot of the things that you see on tv or even in movies and especially for me in terms of southeast asian movies bollywood movies they uh, it's it's they are selling you this la la land story which is you know absolutely bullshit like this is not what real love feels like um love shouldn't have these these incredible highs and lows and it shouldn't be this this game of like chasing and like um chasing someone and manipulating someone it's it's about feeling safe it's about having that healthy safe line baseline where things can be boring but it's safe you know and i think that that's the one thing that we kind of forget that love doesn't mean having all these um you know having all these crazy rushes love is about feeling safe and feeling like your most authentic self when you're with that person um it's not about chasing toxicity or trying to make things work and sometimes we also kind of just put on rose tinted glasses and we kind of try to start making excuses for the other person because again the fear of loneliness the fear of rejection the fear of um you know not finding the right person that scarcity lack mentality but when it comes to that i'm just like you rather be alone and be safe mm-hmm. than be with somebody who is abusive and you know just be unsafe and just be it's like walking on eggshells you know it's like literally like i think remember for me i was just like oh anything and everything that i say or do could trigger this person so and it gets exhausting you know after a while you're just like okay i can't i can't keep doing this because you're not only trying to contain your emotions you're trying to take charge take take onus of somebody else's emotions and and that that work is that person's to do not yours if the person has unhealed traumas or unhealed wounds that's their job to fix that's not your job to fix you can't jump in and try to like heal people you're so right you're so right and it's it's interesting you said that about like bollywood because i believe it's it's the same in hollywood it's we go to these and it's like that princess and the the prince storyline with disney it starts there that's when they get us but even you know the movie came up when you were talking about that was uh uh correct me if i'm mispronouncing it was a befikri Perfectly. Uh, yeah, Ran- perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, with Ranveer Singh and uh, yeah. Bani Kapoor, like even that story, it's a beautiful story. But there's so much turmoil in that. It's like yeah. two people who didn't heal their wounds together. They come together. They screw it up. There's a ton of torment. There's so much drama. There's so much depression, sadness. They go off. They meet separate people, and then they come back together at the end. And it's like, why is that the story that's being modeled? Yeah. I mean, granted, there was a great dance number at the end. It's one of the few, few Bollywood dance numbers that I actually enjoyed. <laughs> that, that's the only I didn't show you on the cake with Bollywood movies. The the singing and the dancing. Other than that, is just a bunch of bullshit. I mean, just quick tangent on that. Like, I I can't. Yeah. I love some Bollywood movies. Like, I saw War. Did you see that with uh, Tiger no. Shroff and Rithik uh, Roshan? No. That was like 
that was a throwback to like old school 1980s like american action movies like they were both super shredded men they were both like there was action but then out of nowhere in the middle of this like movie that's called war and it's all about <laughs> fighting and terrorism and all this out of nowhere in the middle there's just like this interlude with a dance scene in it it made no <laughs> sense it just made absolutely no sense in the movie and then Welcome they're just right, yeah they're just right back into the action the shooting and killing after excuse us a second <laughs> then jump into like singing and dancing and then go back into like that's still okay there there scenes sometimes they jump from like crying into sing, singing and dancing and then jump back into an emotional scene and i'm like that doesn't even make sense yeah but it's yeah. yeah that's my one gripe is and also the movies are like three fucking hours long i don't get that <laughs> I don't either. Like I, I think now I've kind of lost patience. I think thanks to COVID, most of us have lost patience for a lot of lot of things in life, yeah. including really long movies. So yeah. <laughs> so that's my tangent on that. All right, back to, back to the living with toxic shame, the seriousness. Back to the heavy stuff. Back yeah. to the heavy. <laughs> we pivot on this podcast. We like to bounce around. <laughs> I have a touch of ADD, and it shows in everything. <laughs> <laughs> So going back to what you were talking about and everything you learn of, you know, going through the, that journey of self-love, yeah. if you could give little, little Luchika a little nugget of wisdom, what would you have said to her? Because that's, I, I have to think about that. And it's yeah. interesting when people pose that, like, if you could give one piece of wisdom to your like self 10 years ago, 20 years ago, what would it be? I think I would just... I would just tell myself to um, have three pillars in my life to be mindful of these three pillars, which is self-love, self-care and self-preservation. Um, I think for me, self-preservation was something that came into the forefront much later, even self-love and self-care for that matter. I mean, I'm not when, when I talk about self-love, it's not the cheesy Instagram posts with like, you know, lighting scented candles and having a None of that. But what is actually real self-love? Self-love is showing up for yourself even on days that you don't want to or showing up for yourself despite what other people may think, want, um, despite other relationships, whatever it may be. Because you love yourself so much, you're willing to risk it all, put your best foot forward for yourself because that's what real self-love is about, right? It's about holding yourself on the... In, in the highest regard to be able to give yourself that first before giving anybody else. And likewise with self-care, which is taking care of your needs, which is your emotional needs, your mental needs, your physical needs, whatever it may be, um, taking care of all your emotions, taking care of um, everything that you're feeling, everything that you're healing. And likewise with self-preservation, um, what can you do to protect yourself? I think that was the one recurring lesson that for me has just like played out in my life in, in every scenario, which is how do I protect myself? How do I preserve myself? Because, you know, like we were talking about Disney movies selling us this narrative of, okay, you'll be a princess stuck in a tower and Prince Charming is going to come and save you. But in real life, none of that happens. You will, if you're stuck in a burning tower, you will probably burn down. So <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. What do you do in these scenarios? Like either you get burnt or you jump out and yeah. So you kind of, you I'm trying to understand what is it that you can do to protect yourself. And I think these are such core values. And I feel like these are things that should be taught to us from a very early age, right? Like even when it comes to, the abuse that you went through very early on in life. Like if when you look back, I'm like, 
you know, if there's anything that you could tell yourself or anything that you could do for yourself, what would it be? Like, it would be maybe an act of self-preservation or, or, or even self-protection. How could you have protected yourself from that situation? Or how do you protect yourself from the situation now going forward? Mm, that is, I love that self-preservation. For me, that that shows up as like the principle of like stewardship. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing, but it's it's that, you know, my last name is Stuart, so that helps with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really that protection of your your resources, which are like your time, your love, and your energy. Yeah. And they don't really they don't really teach us any of that. Nobody teaches us that. How do you honor your own time? How do you honor your own energy? How do you honor your own love? That's something that I've struggled with a lot. And even that term, like if you know do you know human design at all? Of course, yeah. Okay. So I'm a projector and one of the things I only have one uh is it one gate or not one gate one channel my whole body i have one channel and it's like essentially the channel of survival and self-love and that's like that's it which is kind of interesting but that's one of the things i've always struggled with because it's always been presented to me as a very feminine way because like you said with the instagram it's like oh take bubble baths and scented candles and you know have yeah, a that's glass. self-love and self-care yeah 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 and it's like no, which self- is also but on a, on a more superficial level like yeah. When we're talking about self-love and self-care, we're talking about, um, you know, something that's more internal, that's more, uh, that's more long-lasting. That's not just about having that one, you know, bubble bath, but it's about a uh, way to live your life. Yeah. I mean, I love a good bubble bath, especially with some Epsom uh-huh. salt, you just soak in that thing. But it's really the integration. And I think this is what a lot of people don't talk about. It's the integration inside of each and every one of us of the masculine and feminine. Yeah. Because it's, it's showing up and doing the work, but it's doing that, but not at the same time doing that to an extreme. And that's why you need the counterbalance of that feminine or that, that nurturing side. Because some days you just don't have that. Yeah. And if you listen to you know the masculine coaches and the masculine world, regardless of how you feel, you show up. There's so many you know, alpha male, quote unquote, like men coaches who are like, just go to the fucking gym, just do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that works to a certain extent, but you're not addressing your emotions and if you run like that you're just going to burn yourself out you're going to have more toxic men because they're so drained and that's what it is because you can overdo everything and it's it's really about creating that level of self-care for yourself and self-love i mean that's great self-love self-care self-preservation those are really great pillars to have and really look back and integrate how you could have expressed that to yourself and i mean how could i have yeah i mean how could i have done that a little little seven-year-old Matt and it's like I think about that a lot and it would have yeah I mean it would have been like I'm an only child that would have been like having an older brother that I could have talked to and like that would have been that's what it would have been and I mean now is a chance where I can go back and do some inner child work of saying those things that I never heard oh yeah but I mean even that like one of the things that I'm most proud of my mother for is that she you know my uncle and my mother and their one other brother they were raised in such a toxic environment with this alcoholic physically and emotionally and mentally abusive you know stereotypical irish catholic father Mm -hmm. and he was very abusive he terrified them and i could still see it in my mom but the one thing that i'll give her credit for is that she is the only one who got out of that narrative you know she 
started to cut the generational wound oh, of that. Because yeah. I'm sure that uh, her father, I mean, I don't even call him my grandfather because I never met him, but but her father, I know that I can empathize. I'm sure he was raised in an environment like that. Because mm-hmm. you don't just, if you were raised with love and support, unless you something happens to you, like some sort of other trauma, like you don't just end up like that. Yeah. So it's like, I can empathize. I can even empathize with my uncle. Yeah. Like, I, that when I first started to do this work, again, going back to that nurturer, my focus was on forgiving him before it was even addressing myself. Like it was so easy. Like, I forgive him. He went through so much, but then I just wouldn't forgive myself. That yeah. was what took the most work. Like it's so easy to forgive other people. For me, I find forgiving myself is the hardest thing. When yeah. if you look at the circumstances, I was a seven-year-old kid. He was a grown man. Like, what could you do with that? I don't even think I had learned martial arts at that point. I think like when I was 10 or 11, I got a black belt at like 13, but like that was after the fact. Could have yeah. thrown some sweet high kicks at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's, and it's so interesting you say that because, you know, when you're doing the healing work, you're doing it as an adult. So you can rationalize and make sense of this and say, oh, okay. I forgive him because there's so much trauma that he's been through. But, you know, when you actually view this from the lens of seven-year-old Matt, like when your kids, everything is very black and white. So maybe seven-year-old Matt cannot forgive him. And that's absolutely okay. Mm. It's okay for him to not forgive him because this is something that happened to him. And this is something that has shaped a lot of his um, shaped a lot of his life. And this was something that he didn't ask for. This was something that was out of his control and it's okay for him to still be angry and upset and sad and hurt or whatever it is with these with this because that's that's the self that's the self-care that's the love that you're showing the seven-year-old Matt and you're validating his feelings and saying it's okay for you to be angry it's okay for you to never forgive this person that's okay because um, I think that's the other thing right like we're taught to always be the bigger person and you know be forgiving and be um, let go of things and yeah while all those things are great and you know, I think it does make sense, but forgiveness also should come from a place of you reaching that place on your own versus being told that this is something that you should aspire to do because it's the morally correct thing to do, or this is how you let go of things. Sometimes it's okay to just hold on to that anger. Like I think for me, when I look back a lot of these things in my childhood, um, while I have forgiven, I've forgiven the situations, I have not let go of the anger completely because, you know, that's my way of telling my inner child that it's okay for you to feel those feelings because your trust was violated, your um, safety was violated, and it's okay for you to hold on to that anger, that resentment. Because if that gives you some sense of control in that situation that, hey, this happened to me and I'm not okay to let this go and I want to like be angry with this so that this doesn't happen to me again, I say, go for it. This is this is your licensing to hold on to it so that you don't let this happen to you again. I think like similarly with, you know, all my abusive ex-boyfriends, while I've forgiven and forgotten a lot of these situations, I still hold on to some of that pain so that I never let myself get to that place again, that somebody can walk all over me and, um, you know, cause this kind of grief and trauma um, where I have, I'm mindful of this now. So, yeah. That's interesting. I never... I never thought about that like that, using some of that anger. Because I think for, you know, in the, in the spiritual world, it's like let go of all your anger because it's just going to poison you. It's just going to hold you back. But some of it, whether we're not ready to let it go or 
it's a great, it, it can be a great reminder. It could be a powerful thing until we've really integrated all of that healing. Because forgiveness is, it's one of the hardest things to do, to truly forgive. But to each and every one of us, it's when, it's forgiving who we need to forgive when we're really ready to forgive that and not doing it because somebody else said so, just like you said. Or even your moral compass tells you that because that's what's fed to you, right? That be the be the bigger person and forgive people, let go of things. And and while I agree with those things, like I feel like holding on to some amount of healthy anger is okay because you know no emotion is good or bad. An emotion is an emotion. Um, there's no point in labeling it as anything because sometimes you need that healthy amount of. If I don't have that healthy amount of anger, I will not be mindful of my boundaries. You know, um, for me that healthy amount of anger is keeps me in check. You know, even when I'm now dating men if i see certain red flags that anger that is still within me will remind me of certain scenarios i'm like uh uh-uh, uh don't 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 get into the situation because i sense certain red flags but with that being said is there emotional reactivity am i also lashing out my past traumas onto this person no because that's the healing work that we've done right like that you've done to integrate where i'm like okay this is not that person and i don't need to lash out because what is Every time you have an emotional reaction, what is it? It's your past self that is actually acting out because it was violated. It's about your boundaries or something was violated at that point in time. It's not really you looking at things from a present lens. But at the same time, it at least gives me that space to sit and decide if this is something that I'm feeling threatened by or is this something that is actually not that bad and maybe this is just an old wound that's acting Mm. out. But it gives me that reflection. That's a great distinction. Yeah. Thank you for talking about that because I think that's a very, very important distinction of to, to have that introspection to look and go, is this my thing that's coming up? Yeah. Or is this a genuine threat or a genuine yeah. red flag? Because I think it's yeah. it's too easy now to to label our wounds as somebody else's. Yeah. Or to project that. Because I've done it too, where it's just yeah. like, nope, this is you get those you get those blinders on, you get consumed by that. And like, nope, this is something else. And then somebody else's. And then you look back and you go, oh, that was, that was totally me. Yeah. <laughs> that was my bad, everybody. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Not sorry, maybe. No, still sorry. <laughs> no, but that's the beauty of it, right? Like this is, this is going to be a work in progress throughout your life. And there will be times where you will project things onto other people. Um, but those are also your lessons, right? Like, that's your your triggers are your tests are actually your mirrors in life for you to understand what is it that still needs healing yes and you get that with presence because if you're not fully present in yourself how are you going to be able to see these things for sure and to get that presence you got to start healing because the reason why most of us don't want to be present in our bodies is because it feels uncomfortable feels icky we have all those you know, to go back to the overeating, I mean, that's one like, if you, the easiest way to not want to feel anything is to overeat because then your stomach, you feel gross in your body, you feel sluggish, you feel that. And that's the feeling you are left with mm. versus whatever dis, whatever other discomfort there is. Mm-hmm. And it's a level of control over that. And I've been there where you just overeat to the point of stomach pains and you're like, okay, this is what I'm comfortable with. Is- <laughs> <laughs> this, this awfulness because I don't want to feel what's underneath that. Did you have any particular foods you would gravitate towards when you were eating like sugary sweet things or like 
junk food or whatever. Oh, well, my first word was cookie, actually. So it's, no yeah, 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 yeah. So it was a rough, it was, it was rough for me. <laughs> Definitely sweets. I do. Uh... You know, but then you get into that whole, like, you know, the, the food thing where it's like you get the sweets and then, like, you need something salty to counterbalance. And then you're just riding yeah. this, this chemical high. And you're like, you suddenly you ate an entire bag of chips and you're like, well, I feel terrible about myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, and, and I think for me, like, with certain foods, I remember I would gravitate a lot towards, like, carby food. Like, anything that was rich and heavy in carbs because that would make me feel grounded. You know, I, I think when you mm. are especially when you've been through all these traumas and you've been through all these things, um, you get so consumed in your head. There's so much like um, ruminating and like overthinking and overanalyzing every situation that in order to come back into your body to actually feel grounded, I would end up eating a lot of um, carb heavy foods because it would just automatically make you feel like satiated and like a little more like grounded. So yeah, so it's interesting that you say that because um Definitely, I feel like food plays a huge role when it comes to numbing. Like, and I, I also feel like in today's day and age, there's also things like social media scrolling. Like, I there are days that you're just like doomsday scrolling and you're like, okay, this is me trying to like numb out of something or escape out of something. What is it that I'm not facing? What is it that needs to like, needs my time and attention right now? Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the scrolling is something I think we're all guilty of. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so accepted now. That's what's, what's interesting is it's like everybody's just on their phone. Like you're having a conversation, looking down, swiping through things. It's like, are you really actually, I mean, that is truly presence is like the new currency that really matters. I mean, sure. your time with somebody, like it's priceless, especially with your loved ones. Yeah. Uh, this has been an exhilarating it. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> We've gone from like toxic shame to like um, toxic relationships to numbing and, and introspection. And yeah, we've literally like, I think, gone all over the world to like come back to this. And I think one of the reasons why we decided to also have this conversation very openly today here was to just talk about these things to remind people that, you know what, things happen and we all have pain, shame, traumas that we're carrying and it's okay for you to maybe like start talking about them if you're comfortable out loud to people because what you don't own will own you I think what we don't realize is that the amount of like especially when it comes to shame the amount of shame that you carry will keep compounding over time and if you don't start like addressing those um, wounds and you don't start addressing that shame it will just keep playing out in different parts of your life and maybe to just have these conversations more openly so that people realize that it's okay to talk about these things and you're not alone. And um, the sooner you talk about this, the sooner you kind of let this out of your system, the lighter you feel. Absolutely. And it's, you can be the brave one who starts these conversations because a lot of time we've conditioned to think you got to keep everything to ourselves. You don't want to, you don't want to bother somebody, but you'd be surprised. You start talking about this, you open up to friends you're going to go deeper into that friendship and that relationship because chances are they've been through some things like that or chances are it's it's a way for them to to show up for you and to gain a better friend and yeah, also I, at that same thing it might be a way to push away those that aren't really your friends because i think it's very easy to have surface level friends all around 
Yeah. But then you want to be, I personally want to be surrounded by people who I know are there for me and I can share with them anything and I will reciprocate that same thing because those are the people that are going to support you and enrich you and help you grow. Oh, for sure. And I mean, and you need that kind of support system, right? Like what are your friends and family there for to support you? And if they don't see you for all that you are, for your good, bad and ugly, then you really need to like start taking some sort of um, like have some sort of reflection in terms of what are those relationships serving in your life because this is this is you these are your stories this is what makes you you and if if those relationships don't accept you for who you are then maybe you need to like start like reflecting on what is it that you're getting out of these relationships and maybe even if not with friends and family the idea is to have these conversations with whoever whether it is a therapist whether it's a healer whether it's a counselor whether whatever whoever it may be but the idea is to not hold on to these conversations. I mean, it's not to like hold on to these topics, but it's to actually start airing. It's like, think of it this way, right? Like when you have, um, when you're storing something, especially when it comes to like winter clothes, they're like maybe lying in your closet for like uh, years till till you finally need to like get it out. Once you get it out, they smell musty, but you once you air them out, they feel a little better. It's like that. It's like till the time you don't start shedding light on these things, they will just keep feeling heavy and keep smelling musty. But when you do, it just, it liberates you, you know, as a person, it just makes you feel a lot more lighter. Like even having this conversation with you today, I'm already feeling like I'm 10 kgs lighter. Yeah. That was one of the things about halfway through, I started to notice in your body language, you definitely feel right? lighter, freer. You're definitely you're sitting back, you get your knees up. You're very relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I literally, like, I'm just like, Oh, like literally ready to like, lie jump into bed and just like lie down because I just it just feels like this burden that has been lifted off my shoulders you know and I, the fact that we could talk about this so openly and candidly and like um it didn't bring up anything and that's the other thing what you realize right when you're going through this healing journey you the you'll realize that you're ready to talk about it when it doesn't have an energetic hold over you mm-hmm. I think for the longest time I could not get myself to talk to other people because there was such a hold over me because maybe I'd not processed my emotions and like like you rightly pointed out that the only thing that helped was doing it somatically like for me also I think a lot of my um a lot of my trauma was processed through dance and movement and whether it was like weightlifting or whether it was dancing or whether it was just a yoga flow whatever my body was calling out to on a particular day that really helped release things you know and it's only then because I think I did I went to therapy for years and I kept talking about it and for the longest time talking about it did help. I'm not going to take away any credit from that, but it didn't help me by leaps and bounds. The only thing that really helped push my healing journey forward was processing these things somatically, which is getting into my body and just moving through things. Mm. So drop into your body, get present, see what comes up. That's the best thing for us. We should be at home in our own bodies. Well, Ruchika, this has been an awesome conversation. How can people contact you? How can they subscribe, follow you, support you? What can people do? Uh, You can reach me on my Instagram. And that's uh, my coaching page is at Care Package for You. And you can even reach out to me on my direct page, which is at RootstarV. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. This was a great conversation. I know we're going to talk a lot more in the future, my friend. (laughs) And thank you. Thank you for having me again. And thank you for sharing your story so beautifully and bravely with everybody and with me. I feel privileged and honored to be a part of this podcast again. Mm. Likewise, my friend. Take care. You too.
thank you so so much for checking out this podcast i have a blast every time i hit record on these things wherever you found me please give me a five star review give me a seven star review if that's a thing i don't even know and if you know someone who would find value from anything i said today please share it with them screenshot this and post it on ig in your stories and make sure to tag me with it you can follow me at underscore i'm matt stewart that's underscore i m m a t t s t e w a r t on the i jeezy <laughs> peace